Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the 89th episode of the Professional Book Nerds podcast presented by Overdrive. This is Jill. Hi, Adam. How are you doing today, Jill? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. We waited to record this intro on a Monday morning, which we've never done before. We have not. So I was curious to see how it would go. I'm a little tired, but I'm good. I'm good. This was a lot of This one was really, this really was fun. This was so much fun. Yeah. Um, do you want to tell everyone who we spoke with? Sure. We spoke with Penny Reed, who I'm going to use the word independent because she used the word independent, mm-hmm. but self-published author Yeah. Um, who writes romance novels, mm-hmm. which our co-workers love. They are upset. Obs- they... Uh, we, I think we're allowed to say, you know, if there's so many authors out there, we don't know everyone in the world. You and neither you nor I, neither you nor I, that's the right way of saying that. Uh, neither of us read her books before. Correct. And we didn't know much about her. But yeah, our fellow book nerds here. Several of them. Are obsessed. Yes. To the point where they were the ones who were like, I don't know if you know this, but Penny is pretty active on Twitter. And you maybe you should try to reach out to her. Like actively making sure we tracked her down yes so glad we did me too she i've said that i said this on friday my face hurt from laughing throughout this entire podcast she was so fun and crazy productive and smart and oh gosh like and so like humble and yes yeah down to earth and she does it all because again she's like self-published independent she doesn't have a publishing house to do yeah anything for her she right. has to do it all and like and we, when we say she does it all like to the point she creates the book covers for her books herself. Like yes. literally everything she does. So not only did she tell us about her writing process and all of her books and the background for that, but she walked us through how self-publishing works mm-hmm. and how to find, like, how to create an audiobook if you're a self-publisher and all sorts of really cool stuff that neither of us knew about. So. And over the weekend, I did read one of her books, and they are fabulous. Yeah. I totally see why everyone loves them as mm-hmm. much as they do. So she has a new fan here. Yeah, I am. I. She has more than one new fan. <laughs> I just, I want to be friends with her. And this, everything, I, I was feel like we're going to run out of adjectives to talk about how great she was. I know. And not only does she write romance, but she told us about how, and not going to get into it because she talks about it, but she's writing a book with her children. Mm-hmm. She has my favorite guilty pleasure of any author we've spoken yeah to. um it's true that was a good one everything about her was fantastic so yes if and again i love when authors are really active on social media so if you take a listen to this and want to read some of her books and if you do read her books and you've never tweeted at her you should because she's charming and delightful and will almost, charming is the perfect word uh, yeah right she's yeah charming she's very charming so um if Penny is listening, I just want to say thank you because she that was like she has no idea of knowing how stressed out you and I have been lately. Indeed. And she made our day week Indeed. everything much, much better. So thank you, Penny. We appreciate it. Um, if people want to get a hold of us, where can they find us? They can email us directly at professionalbooknerds at overdrive.com. Mm-hmm. That is M and I will respond to those. Yep. And then Adam and I also are the ones behind our Twitter account, which is at ProBookNerds. Yes. Okay. Yes, it is. <laughs> I know. That's I couldn't. It's still fairly new. Well, that and I couldn't get 
like full, professional book nerds right. or PBN because that right. already existed. So yeah, pro book nerds. Pro book nerds. Right. So mm-hmm. if, again, if you're active on social media, we are too. So yeah. come and find us. Yeah, we we like to have fun. That's a good. Thing. And I do think it's probably fairly obvious which one of us is. It's almost certainly, without question, it's pretty. You can tell who it is. If it's not like like this morning, I put a review that one of our coworkers had written that's just posted on one of our websites. So I just tweeted a link to that review. It's for Neil Gaiman's new book. Other than that, like if it's an actual tweet with any commentary, <laughs> with any commentary at all, it's quite obvious who it is. Um, yeah. So anyway, you can find us at those places. Uh, anything else before we let everyone enjoy the charming Penny Reed? I don't think so. Okay. Well, you are really going to love this interview, whether you're a romance reader or not. So I hope you guys really, really enjoy this episode. Actually, yes. I'm gonna cut you off. Good. Go for it. Because again, she writes romance. I don't read romance, mm-hmm. but her books are fabulous. Yeah. So even if you don't read romance. I would check them out. And even, I should have put that in like when it was like a more natural segue earlier. That, that's okay. But that was like my thing. Like mm-hmm. I don't really read romance. Yeah. And even if you still are saying, you know what, Joe, I'm still not going to read it. Just spend a half an hour listening to this podcast. Yes. And, and she will charm you. Agreed. Into oh, yeah. I'm already movie. like on hold for like all of her other books. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, I finished the first one. And I was like. I have to get the rest of them. (laughs) Um, Classic Jill. Good job by you. All right. Anything else? Nope. That's all. Okay. All right. I hope you guys all enjoy this episode of the Professional Book Nerds Podcast. Hi, everyone. This is Adam and Jill from Team Overdrive, and today we are joined by author Penny Reed. Penny is the USA Today bestselling author of the Winston Brothers and Knitting in the City series. When she's not immersed in penning smart romances, Penny works in the biotech industry as a researcher. She's also a full-time mom to three diminutive adults, wife, daughter, knitter, crocheter, sewer, general crafter, and thought ninja. She has amassed countless readers thanks to her approachable and charming stories. And honestly, many of those readers actually work in the Overdrive offices. Uh, Penny, thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, thank you so much for having me. So the majority of your romance novels have, as our coworkers would put it, um, a little bit of steam, but they aren't over the top. They feel very much like romance reads. That would be a great entry point for people who maybe aren't familiar or don't, don't normally read romance. Was this sort of by design? Um, actually, yes, it was. When I wrote my very first book, I started, I, I, well, I wrote it on the bed. And so I knew I had to, well, I'd, I'd never read romance before. So I read a romance novel and I recognized I was going to have to write <laughs> a steamy scene. And when I started to write it, it started sounding to me like a police report. Like, <laughs> and then the perpetrator, you know, like, and then the perpetrator <laughs> I don't know. That sounds terrible. But um, I'm laughing at myself while I say that because I never actually said that out loud. Oh, that's before. amazing. But, so when I started to write it, it was not, it didn't, it was not good. And so I took a step back and the first book actually is a closed door. But then after that, I started to think about what is romance really other than feelings? And so now when I try to write a steamy scene, as you put it, it's more about what the person is feeling rather than the actions that they're taking. So um, that's how I approach it. 
And so as we mentioned in our intro, you're not shy about the fact that you are a full-time mom and also in the biotech industry. So this is going to be kind of a general question, but I guess, where do you find the time to do all these things? I'm I'm guessing you probably have some great (laughs) time management uh, tips for aspiring writers. Well, yes. And also, actually, recently, just recently, I uh, stopped completely working in the biotech um, industry because for a long time I thought, well, for a long time, meaning three years, I thought to myself, well, this writing, this writing thing is a lot of fun. But then it became fairly obvious to me last year that this is where I should be spending my time. So I re- I just recently actually took a step back from that and I'm writing full time now. But prior to that point, and then I also ended up coinciding with giving birth to a third human. So <laughs> it was something had to give. So there you go. Um, but the, the time management really is don't watch TV. And I, I, that sounds trite, but people spend so much of their time, they don't really realize that if you just kept a diary of how much time you spend watching TV, you could have seven hours a week to write, the average person. So just don't watch TV. That's really my time management tip. So that that's terrible. Well, no, honestly, that's, that's actually a that. really good. That's a really good tip. And plus, anymore, watching TV is just kind of a bummer anyway. So it's probably best to just avoid it. <laughs> um, right. So, go ahead. I was going to say, spend time with your own imagination instead. So, see, I like that. That's perfect. That's perfect. That's perfect. So, when it comes to your characters, um, would are there any that? you're most like or are there any that are based on real people we actually have a very specific question <laughs> related to this our co-workers actually want to know where the character of cletus came from okay so i'll i'll, I'll start in order um actually i'm not going to start in order i lied <laughs> what i'm going to do is i'm going to tell you whether or not they're based on real people so the all of my characters are based on real people um, the Knitting in the City characters are actually based on a group of women that I went to a, uh, I guess for lack of a better term, the craft camp. It's a Squam art workshop up in New Hampshire. I went there and they were all strangers. We all stayed in the cabin together and they were just like these amazing women. And uh, we all sat around the fire at night and knit together. And so uh, that's where they come from. The Knitting in the City ladies are the... Uh, seven ladies that shared a cabin with many years ago at Squam Art Workshops. And then, so now I'm going to take the other two questions, which are, <laughs> which of your characters would you say you're most like, mm-hmm. and where did Cletus come from? Yeah. yeah. This is actually based on me, interestingly enough. Oh. Um, so, uh, yeah, his, his penchant for, um, I shouldn't admit this out loud, <laughs> but um, pretending to be dumb and uh, pulling one over on people is something that I found to be actually quite useful in academia. I hope none of my previous co-workers are going to listen to this. But uh, yeah, that work, that's a very uh, useful skill to have. So a lot of his thoughts, and I, again, I shouldn't admit this, about judging people in particular and writing them off and only having enough room in your life for um, 24 birthdays, that those are thoughts that actually come out of my head on myself. <laughs> So that is amazing. Uh, I can't wait to tell them. <laughs> I know they're going to, they're going to love that so much. Okay. Good to know. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, so speaking of your characters, your settings seem to be very much uh, a character in the novels themselves. So are all these places uh, places you've you've traveled to and loved, or was there any research that you put into the locations of your books? So yes, for both of those questions, or all of those questions, <laughs> the uh, Living in the City series takes place in Chicago, and I've always really loved Chicago, and I feel like it's the most underrated city in the United States. It has such great character and history, and it the people there are just awesome. I love, I absolutely adore Chicago, and there's so again so much culture, and then um, Tennessee um, that was. A surprise to me, I went to, my parents actually had a, a place um, near Maryville, Tennessee, and I went to visit them, and we went to a jam session um, down, I think it was in a place called Happy Valley, Tennessee, and it was at an old school, and it was exactly as I described in the book, and people were discussing business and gossiping, and it was really the coming together of the community, and it was also surprising that it was all people from all walks of life, all different colors, shapes, and sizes. And I had this misconception. I fully admit that now, my own prejudice in my in my own head about what small town Tennessee was like, and that was not what it was like. And these weren't, you know, yokels and that kind of thing that I think a lot of people think it that that exists in Tennessee or in backwoods Tennessee. And that's not the case. It's um, very welcoming and opening, open and wonderful. And so I wanted to bend those stereotypes and then eventually break them. So that's why I decided to place the book there in Tennessee. Um, did you know when you wrote Beauty and the Mustache that you would write the Winston Brothers series too? I didn't. I, um, I had no idea. But then as I started writing Beauty and the Mustache and these brothers all had their very own distinct personality and they were I have two older brothers so they a lot of their personality uh, how they how they represented themselves were based on my experiences with my own brothers but they split them I guess they fractured themselves into six different people <laughs> um, they uh, I had no idea but then at the end of the book I was like oh god I gotta write <laughs> I'm gonna have to write a spin-off series for these guys <laughs> And not a week after the book released, I started getting emails and questions about, you're going to write books for these brothers, right? So I was like, well, if you twist my arm, I guess I'll have to. So, yeah, so that's what happened. I think that's a really good way to, to do, to like assure yourself of having a series of books is when you write the first book in what may be a series, just introduce a bunch of people. That way you can justify giving spinoffs to each one of them. That's right. That's right. And then you people are already invested, so they're like, "Oh no, what happened?" <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was um, that was a very devious thing on my part, I guess. It was mastermind material. Right there, so. um, speaking of the Winston brothers, their mother is a librarian, and given that Overdrive is a library company, we're always curious. Do you have any sort of a, a library background or any library stories that you remember fondly? Um. I have library stories in terms of taking my kids to the library and um, living vicariously through them, the wonder in their eyes when they're like, oh, I can have access to all of these books and all of these stories. So that's, uh, that's I guess, my nostalgia there. Um, my parents never really took us to the library, so I discovered the library through my own children. 
Um, my background in biotech means that I worked with a lot of informaticists. So the categorization of data and how data is named, that's always been near and dear to my heart, which I don't think you've probably ever heard another person say those words. <laughs> uh, and that's okay. I'll let my nerd flag fly. I'm <laughs> totally comfortable with it. Um, but my kids and I are actually writing a book uh, together because they love the library so much. And uh, it focuses about the library that's actually a tree. And the roots grow into the ground as knowledge is accumulated and fills up with books and has a librarian that's actually a book. And so we um, more and more just have, they've ignited this love affair with the library um, in me. And so we want to kind of share that with the world. So that's something that I'm actually working on in the background. You you have just made two permanent fans by A, letting your nerd flag fly, since that is, we are both proud uh, nerds, and then talk, writing a book about libraries. You literally, you can't see us, and no one else can, but Jill and I just gave each other a look like, oh my god, that's amazing. Uh, oh, well. Well, okay. I'm sorry, I already have people, I already have 24 birthdays in my life, so I can't add you to my list <laughs> at all. Oh, we will, that's a, that's okay. no hard feelings. No hard feelings. <laughs> okay. But maybe um, if somebody really pisses me off in the future, I'll give you a call. There you go. Keep us in mind. <laughs> we appreciate right. that. <laughs> um, so... This actually kind of ties into that because you have a lot of things going on um, when it comes to different book series. When you start one of them, do you have any idea like how long it'll go for, how many books will end up being in the series? Um, the answer is no and then yes. When I started the Knitting in the City series, I hadn't planned on writing anything more than the first book just because it was, um, it was a bet. And then when that first book did well... Um, I thought, okay, well, I can write books for each of the ladies in the Knitting in the City series. And then when I had the Winston Brothers series, I mean, there's a set number of brothers. But then when you talk about things like the Rugby series or the Hypothesis series, um, I, I have those mapped out before I started writing the first book because it's not inherent how many books there are going to be. There's multiple people on the rugby team. And then uh, for the Hypothesis series, there really will there'll be three trilogies, so however you want to count that in terms of books. I and I have those mapped out, and they actually I like to put Easter eggs in other books. Mm-hmm. So for the Winston Brothers series, um, there's a character that's sort of kind of already been introduced in the Winston Brothers series that'll be in the Hypothesis series, and then I actually have another series I'm starting to plot right now, and I don't know if you're going to want to share this or not because it's so bizarre. <laughs> But I'm, um, I've been told this is bizarre by a couple of publishers who say that they absolutely could not sell these books. It's called the Dad Bod series because romance novels, you see all of these covers with these kind of, uh, I'm just going to throw the word out there, ridiculously chested men and these, these shirtless covers. And so I would like to do shirtless covers, but of like normal men where they, have like dad bots and they're single dads and they're raising kids and um, they're all part of a support group. Uh, a couple are divorced or one is widowed or, you know, one was never married. And then of course there's the one friend who doesn't have kids, but just kind of uh, has a lot of shenanigans. Anyway, so the dad bot <laughs> series, I've decided that's going to be five and I've already started dropping hints in other books about who those characters are going to be. If you're okay with us keeping that in, I 100% do not want to remove that. I love that so much. 
so much this is so good but you're absolutely right most most of the romance covers they're all ridiculous people and um you know then you have so many authors that all the time will talk about having a a healthy body image and it's almost impossible if you see those covers so i don't know i think there's absolutely a market for people who want to read all about dads with the stereotypical dad bod i'm on board Right, and, and it's not to put down what's out there now, it's just that um, maybe we as a society should maybe think about moving past this idea that only individuals who are perfectly formed can have a romance, or that people who are perfectly formed is the only kind of romance we want to read about. So, yeah. We, we agree. We agree. Yeah. 100%. Okay. Yeah. Well, I would be high-fiving you if I was there. <laughs> <laughs> Um, you mentioned your rugby series, which you write with L.H. Causeway. What is the process like when writing with another um, author, especially someone who is on the other, like in a totally different country? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So um, L.H. Causeway writes these really great, odd books, just like really, really out there. And there's always some element to them that is truly bizarre and makes you think about your own life choices, which I love. So I'm completely in love with her and her writing, and I call her my work wife. Um, and how we do this is that I have a character, and she is a character. Sometimes she writes the male, sometimes I do, sometimes she writes the female, sometimes I do. And um, we, whoever starts the book writes the chapter from that particular character's perspective, sends it to the other, that person edits the chapter, writes the ne- next chapter, sends both of those back, and then we edit add the next chapter, send to the other person. So it goes back and forth. Each person edits um, the other person's chapter. So there's a lot of my writing in her chapters and a lot of her writing in my chapters. So you really can't tell. It it blurs towards the end, meaning who wrote what. But uh, I'm primarily responsible for one character, and she's primarily responsible for the other. That's really really cool. cool. Yeah, I like that. That, There's a lot of trust that goes into that, but that's... A really unique way of writing. You have to really love the other person's writing, and <laughs> and um, because otherwise you're going to want to change their voice mm-hmm. because it's not going to be what mm-hmm. you would have written. So it has to be somebody who you already appreciate their voice, so that you're not trying to just completely rewrite their chapter whenever you get it. Mm-hmm. And I think that um, we we both we're in love with each other. There's just no other way to put it. So we. <laughs> We work quite well together that way. And also, we're, we take, um, I can say this about her with complete um, just knowledge of her. She takes criticism so 
so well. She wants to always improve, and I'd like to think I'm the same way, that if if there's something about my books or my chapter or whatever it is that I've sent, and she's like, nope, this is terrible, we're moving it, and it's, it's not hurtful because we know that it's coming from wanting the best for each other. So you also do a lot of, of self-publishing, and you're actually our first self-published author on the podcast, so we've never gotten oh. to ask anyone this. What is that process like for someone who might be an aspiring writer again and, and just has no idea? Can you maybe take us through how that works for you? Because honestly, we're kind of in the dark about that process, too. Oh, really? That's interesting. How fascinating. Okay, <laughs> um, so self-publishing is basically you're running your own small business. Um. So I write all the books, and I, I do all my own covers, but you can actually ask, uh, pay somebody, a professional graphic designer, to do your covers. And then um, after I write the books, I send the books to, I have uh, what's called an alpha reader, I guess, which most people call a content editor. And she takes a look at the book and looks for inconsistencies or places where I can make it stronger. I then tend to add about 20,000 more words, 20 to 30,000 more words to a book after it goes to my content editor. And then I send it to my editor, editor, who you would think of as, um, I guess, at a publishing house as the, as the editor for the book. And they start slashing and removing things from the book and doing copy line edits. I get those back. I make changes. Um, really what you're looking for, what I find best is to try and remove at least 30% of the book at that point to tighten it up. And then I send it back to her. She does another run of edit. And then I send it to a proofreader who then does the final eyes for the book. Uh, from that point, then I uh, format the book and I upload it onto all um, the different outlets. So that would be Barnes & Noble, I, iBooks, um, Kobo, Amazon, and then also uh, Overdrive, so that Overdrive can uh, distribute it to libraries. And then I also format the book for print and then make the cover wrap, so the complete cover wrap, and upload that to... Um, create space at this point which is through amazon but you can also go through ingram the ability to do um greater distribution sometimes sometimes not so again like running your own business um you're responsible for all aspects of the marketing and in the social media getting the word out that the book is out there it's coming up um interaction with other authors is also really important to build those relationships for cross promotion i have a newsletter that i send out once a month with exclusive excerpts and um, I have a short story that I'm writing through there and releasing it in 14 parts and I'm on part four for this year. Uh, I also release stories on the Wattpad, which is uh, free, usually fanfic based, but I I um, push some uh, free stories out there just to raise awareness with the younger crowd that, hey, I'm around. So um, I handle everything from uh, clearly the writing to the edits um, I contract that out. Uh, I don't contract out the graphic design. I do that myself. Um, all the marketing I do myself, all the advertising, all the social media, everything like that I do myself. But I think my previous role um, as a biomedical researcher, my, my title was a, uh, my title was director of operations. And so it really did prepare me for this role as a small business owner. One thing you didn't touch on in your process is we know some of your books are available as audiobooks, and we're wondering how oh. that works. Sure. So there is a website and also an Amazon affiliate called, um, because they're taking over the world, mm -hmm. which I'm, you know, anyway, um, 
ACX. And so if you went to acx.com, that's where you would find uh, find them. And what you do is you put up what you, basically what you're doing is putting up your book for uh, voice actors to bid on to narrate the book so studios can also bid. And then you find a voiceover artist or narrator who you like and you make an offer. They record the book, they upload it, you upload the cover design, and then you have an audiobook. And ACX takes care of the distribution to Audible, iBooks, and Amazon. Huh. That's really, really interesting. That is. Huh. Yeah, it's, um, you can do what's called a royalty share where you don't have to pay any money up front. So I don't, I don't do that because, um, people seem to really like my audiobooks. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Maybe they don't. Maybe, they, <laughs> maybe they're lying to me. I don't know. Maybe it's all my mother <laughs> saying, I love this book. And then she opens a new account. This is a great book. But um, <laughs> you know, uh, people seem to like them. So it doesn't make sense for me financially to do a royalty share. But a lot of authors who don't maybe have the capital to spend two or three thousand dollars or upwards five thousand dollars producing their own audiobook mm-hmm. to pay for the studio. And the narrator, they can actually do a royalty share with the narrator, so they don't have to put any money up front. That's really interesting. All right, time for us to have some fun. So first, do you have a favorite book of your own? Usually it's the one that I'm working on at the the time that somebody asks me this question, because I'm so, I guess, deep in my imagination and in love with these characters that they're my favorite at any particular time. Although I will say the characters of Greg and Fiona from the Knitting in the City series, I think that was book six, mm-hmm. they'll probably always hold a really special place in my heart because they are married. And I wrote about them being married 14 years uh, in their book. Nice. Um, do you have a favorite Winston brother? And who would you cast in a movie of the Winston brothers? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, God. Okay, so definitely Chris Pratt. I would have Chris Pratt. <laughs> I think he would do such a great job. Um, and then, other than, um, shoot, who is that guy who played Jax Teller on that on that TV show, the Sons of Anarchy? What's his name? Oh, um, I, yep, I know who's that. The main, the main guy. He's also in Pacific Rim and. Yes. Um, no idea. I don't know. People are probably shouting us Not- right now. <laughs> We're literally looking up well, as we speak. Oh no! But um, yeah. he would make a perfect Drew. He's kind of who I pictured when I when I wrote uh, Beauty and the Mustache. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it's gonna be hard to find some um, some gingers, ginger twins to play the the Dwayne and Bo. Okay. Um, and then the rest of them, I, I honestly don't know. I don't know. I'm not really abreast of celebrity. <laughs> That's celebrities, okay. yeah. But I, I do watch a lot of like the Avengers movies, so mm-hmm. um, I'm trying to think maybe Robert Downey Jr. <laughs> so, I know that name, mm-hmm. but I don't. I don't know many celebrities, so okay. I'm not so good. That's okay. At uh, this question, I feel like I'm I'm failing you, and I'm a good no, one. no, you're fine. So we found. No, I'm teasing. I'm no, teasing. no, no, no. no. <laughs> we so we found it's Charlie Hunnan, Hunnan, the one that you were thinking of from Sons of Anarchy. Charlie Hunnan. Exactly, and yes. Well, and then That's for like and then for Ginger Twins, you could go with the two guys from the Harry Potter series, who are probably <gasps> the only two Ginger Twins that I've ever thought of. <laughs> there you go, and I do know Harry Potter series. That's right, with um, Emma. Um, 
Watson. 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 Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so how, what types of books do you read? Oh, I read, well, okay. Um, right now I'm reading a lot of newspapers, but, um, when I want to get away from reality, I read a lot of science fiction and fantasy, actually. So, some of my favorite authors, oh, and, and uh, humor. Uh, so David Sedaris, I think, is mm-hmm. just brilliant. I mean, oh my God, just hilarious. And I love the fact that he reads his own work. Yes. Yes. audio books. Agreed. I, I feel like I should be paying him a lot more for his books because I listen to them on audio all the time and I read them all the time. And then um, in terms of fantasy, oh, I should have made a list, but Isaac Asimov, I guess I most recently reread his Foundation series, which mm-hmm. is one of my favorites. I just love those books. Um, and then I also try to read a lot of independent authors just because this is the world that I'm living in. Mm-hmm. So... Um, April White, who actually just won the Library Journal Award for Best Independent Author um, for Young Adult, or New, Young Adult, I think her book, her book series, Immortal Descendants, is fantastic. She just uh, published the last book in that series, so all the books are out. Everybody should read it. She's a wordsmith. She's amazing. Um, Amy Harmon um, is one of those people who. She writes, a, she, it's hard to classify what it is that she writes. And that's one of the cool things about being an independent author is she writes some, she just wrote a fantasy last year and it was nominated for the Goodreads Choice Awards for Best Fantasy. But prior to that, she'd written contemporary, um, I guess contemporary romance, but really it reads as literary fiction. Uh, she has this book, Making Faces, that's wonderful and powerful. And then she has another book called uh, The Law of Moses, which is, has a lot more mysticism in it, but it's also very much literary fiction. I guess you could call it contemporary romance. People do. Um, and then she just had a book come out of historical fiction that was gorgeous. And it's so relevant to what's going on right now. It's called From Sand and Ash. And that just released, I think, in November or December. And it's, uh, it, I can't say enough about how amazing this book is. It was just, it was, it was, it's not the kind of book, though, that you read to escape. It's a, the kind of book that you read to learn and to to learn to have more empathy, I guess. So, but um, those are some authors that I'm absolutely in love with. And then this last year, I actually just read my very first paranormal romance. And I've been very, re- I've been incredibly resistant because, <laughs> well, I won't tell you why because that'll make me look like a jerk. But, <laughs> Uh, I read my my um, very first paranormal romance, and it was by an author named Elizabeth Hunter, and she is fantastic, and she does so much research. Um, she has this book series called the Elemental Mystery Series, mm-hmm. and she did so much research in ancient Rome and writings and how vampires would actually truly fit into uh, history, and she she weaves her world building and her mythology into real history. And that was just, that was awesome. That was great. So she's also um, an independent author. So yeah. For being, for being put on the spot, that was pretty impressive. (laughs) Oh, well, well, you know what they say. I don't know what they say. You could tell me, but there you go. (laughs) Uh, Uh, So, um, 
not at all book related, but are you like working on any Nadine projects right now? Yes, I am. I always have a lot of works in progress at one, any given time, depending on what I'm in the mood to work on. I am actually looking at a headless monkey that I just need to finish the head. <laughs> it has a tail, it has everything, it just needs face, and I haven't finished it yet. And then the other thing I'm working on that I'm so close to being finished with is a, um, it's a Ravenclaw scarf for uh, Harry Potter, you know, the, the, oh, yeah. the oh. super long scarves with the fringe. We know. Oh, oh we know. <laughs> oh, you know. <laughs> there you go. Um, I was just in Orlando, and in the airport, they have those uh, patches, the mm-hmm. house patches. Yep. And so I picked up one for each of the houses because we're, we're a very diverse household. Um, I'm Gryffindor, which I disagree with. And then there's, um, I think I should be Ravenclaw, but my husband's Ravenclaw. My son is Slytherin. Yeah. And then my, <laughs> and then my daughter is Hufflepuff. So, and then we have the baby, and so she basically tips the balance. So, we don't know what she is yet. I think she's Slytherin between you and I, because she doesn't let me, she doesn't let me sleep, and she's basically a dictator. So, I, I tend to think she's Slytherin. Sorry if you're Slytherin, but I mean, it's just Oh, yeah, no, I'm, I'm wearing a Slytherin hoodie today. As we are recording oh. this, yeah. yeah, and and to be honest, uh, yesterday I actually had my Gryffindor scarf and my Deathly Hallows T-shirt on. No, we we're like literally in real time. Jill has her dark mark <laughs> earrings on. Like, yeah, she's full board <laughs> Slytherin. I'm gonna have to get myself some dark mark. Earrings. <laughs> I have never heard of those, but uh, that's that's happening. I'm writing that down right now. They're, um, they're really awesome. <laughs> Because Valentine's Day is coming up. There you so. go. There you go. Uh, um, you know, so I'm finishing up the Ravenclaw scarf for my husband, and I got the patch, and I'm sewing it on. And of course, I already have the Gryffindor scarf for myself. Of course. So of course. <laughs> next comes the kids. Uh, I need to start knitting their scarves. So I like to have a scarf at all times just because um, when, I, when I used to work in an office, I would be on conference calls, and I would be knitting on the conference calls because it made them more bearable. <laughs> But, um, yeah, so knitting is great. Uh, knitting is wonderful. So we like to end all of our shows by, I would say, having some fun with these last questions we have, but we've been laughing and having fun the whole time. So our, we end our podcast with what we like to call the Nerd Nine, because Jill and I like alliteration. Um, so these, oh. these are real quick. They're I call them rapid fire. They never end up being that way, but they're just nine really lighthearted questions. Um, so the first one is, what's the last book that you finished reading? last book that I finished reading would be Cheating Death by April Light, which was the last book in her Immortal Descendant series, which just released. So that's the, the one I just finished reading. It was really good. Do you have a favorite place to read? <laughs> uh, yes. I <laughs> like to hide in the bathroom and read because I have kids and they don't <laughs> let me read. That's amazing. Uh, do you have a guilty pleasure? I tell everyone that mine is all the pictures of my dogs I post on Instagram. Um, assembling Lego sets. I have, um, and it's a problem. I mean, it really is a problem. Because once you assemble them, then like I, I become that like Lord business or President business from the Lego movie because I don't want the kids to touch them because they assemble. So, but then I like to play with them and... And again, I, that's the only, I can only do that in the bathroom. I don't think I can play with them. So, 
really terrible, but but eventually they do, and then it all gets destroyed. But um, yeah, assembling Lego sets is definitely my guilty pleasure. Uh, do you? Is there one place you'd like to travel that you have not yet been to? Um. Yes. But there's so many places I want to travel that I haven't been to yet. Um, I've been to New Zealand, and we'd love to go back, and that's probably my favorite place I've been. Um, but I've also been to to a lot of places in my previous profession. We had to go and audit these clinical trial sites, and so I've been all over the world. I've never been to Asia, though. I've never been to Japan and China. Um, so I'd really like to go there. I I would really like to go to that part of the world. So I guess that's the answer to that question. Uh, do you have a favorite holiday? Um, Halloween. Nice. Are you a coffee or a tea person? Both. Definitely both. <laughs> Me too. Uh, cats or dogs? Dogs. That's the right answer. That probably that came out a little bit too forceful. Nope. That was <laughs> nope. That was the right amount of force. I'm a dog person. Joe's a cat lady. So this is our eternal battle. Um, no. are you, do you have a favorite food? Avocados. Ooh, nice. That's a good answer. And then the last one is, if you could have dinner with one person, alive or dead, who would you choose? Oh, okay. So, okay. So immediately what comes to mind is, I would pick a dead person because then I could have both dinners. So, <laughs> it, it doesn't matter who it is because they're dead. They don't need that person. So that, that's what I would do. Uh, but I, I don't think that's what you meant. I think you meant that works. one person in specific. So, you know who I really like? And this, and I don't know how this is going to sound. I really like to have dinner with J.K. Rowling because I just think she is a fantastic human being. Mm-hmm. Um, I follow her on Twitter, and she's so clever and witty. And, yeah, I just would really like to... She seems like the type of person you want to have dinner with just to have a good conversation. So... I guess J.K. Rowling. Um, but in terms of having dinner with dead people, I don't think so because this is going to be like that cultural, you know, you're from a different time and <laughs> we talk about in terms of current events and you're not going to leave a smartphone that I can look up all of this information and instead I'm using it to play like Candy Crush or whatever it is these people are playing. So I feel like half of the conversation was me trying to explain what's going on and how this can be possible. So I'll, I'll stick with an alive person. <laughs> that was the most thought out and perfect answer to that question we have ever heard. Uh, I, I have a tendency to overthink things, so I appreciate that validation. Oh, so. man, that's so funny. Uh, last question. Do you, what do you hope readers take away from reading your books? Um, that each individual is an individual. That, they're, that stereotypes sure are great for, I guess, we have these things called schemas, uh, which allow us to make decisions very quickly. But it's always a bad idea to make a decision very quickly about another human being. Instead, you should approach each person as an individual. That's perfect. That's amazing. Penny, thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, geez, no problem. Thank you for having me. Readers can sample and borrow the titles mentioned in today's episode from Overdrive.com, and our library friends can add these titles to their collections and marketplace. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. 
coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.